We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the NBA Front Office Show. It's Friday, and you know what that means. Front Office Friday! Let's go. There it is. The yell kicking off Front Office Friday. We're so happy to have you guys joining us as we ring in the weekend. It's coming. The weekend is here. We're going to talk some NBA basketball today. So we'll be taking your questions and comments coming in from the YouTube channel. Keith, finally, I, we didn't get to do a show yesterday. Our schedules didn't align. I feel like we have so much that we have to get through on this front office Friday. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we're gonna get to questions and everything, but we got a lot of news, including a little bit of breaking news, and it's not Ooh. good news either. Uh, Sham Sharania reporting: Darius Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers suffered a fractured Ooh. jaw last night in the game against the Celtics, and will miss several weeks. So it's uh that that's just bad news all around for uh for the Cavs and for um uh Darius Garland. He did come back to play in that game. He he went out, he ran into Chris Apps Porzingis at the start of the second half, left the floor immediately, and you could see him like spitting out blood, mm-hmm. then went to the back, came back in and played, uh, and finished out the game. And then apparently today it's a tough you know, must have popped up that it came up. So just brutal stuff for him and the Cavs and the Cavs are just having that year where they just can't get everybody healthy at the same time. Yeah. It seems like everybody's getting, as Mr. Classic mentions in our chat, so many facial fractures. Yeah. We've had so many around the NBA. It's been, it's been crazy, but a broken jaw. That's not a a basketball injury that you hear of very often. We hear sprained ankles and things like, or if it's something on the face, it's usually a broken nose. And then you wear the mask like Rui Hachimura is right now, but a broken jaw. I can't even think of the last time I, I heard of a broken jaw in the NBA. Yeah, me, me either. It's been been a while and probably not out of anything that just happens, right? It probably was a, a punch or something like that last time around. So, yeah, yeah not, not good news at all that he's going to be out for a while. All right. So, Keith, today, December 15th, is unofficially the start of trade season in the NBA. We've got all the guys or most of the guys who signed contracts this past summer are now trade eligible. That opens up the majority of the league to trade players. Today became trade eligible. How many? 80. 80. Okay. Yep. 80 players. So that's that's a lot. It's a lot yep. of players that are now on the trade market. However, you and I have both been pretty conservative with this and saying that 
That doesn't necessarily mean that the floodgates open and we should expect a flurry of activity. Typically, it's more mid-January when this stuff really gets going. Some of that is the holidays. Some of that is teams are still trying to figure out exactly what they are and what it is they need, what direction they want to go. So while this is exciting and it means there's more realistic trade possibilities and there's going to be plenty of trade rumors and things like that to get into, if you're expecting a bunch of deals to go down right now or even in the month of December, more often than not, in the NBA, you'll wind up being a little bit disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I will say each of the last five seasons has seen an early trade happen. Now, one of these could be classified as a real blockbuster trade. That was the James Harden trade uh, to the Brooklyn Nets. That, that uh -huh. trade happened, um, if we remember, that happened on January 16th, but that was an adjusted calendar because of the COVID years. All uh, right. That was a, a trade that kind of came in uh, pretty early on in the season. The other one, so last year, very minor, uh, Boston Celtics and San Antonio Spurs, it was a salary dump of Noah Vonley into the Spurs cap space. The year before that, the Lakers traded Rajon Rondo uh, to the Cleveland Cavaliers uh -huh. when they needed a point guard. Again, at that point in Rondo's career, very minor trade. Uh, then, then we had the Harden trade. The year before that, Somewhat biggish trade, Jordan Clarkson traded from Cleveland to Utah. And then the, in 2018, Trevor Ariza was traded from the Phoenix Suns to the Washington Wizards uh, in a deal that sent Kelly Oubre and Austin Rivers uh, to the Suns. So kind of two good-sized trades there, one blockbuster, and then mm -hmm. two uh, very minor trades. But it's even just, even it, even it those happens. ones you're talking about, summer January. By the time that you're not, there's exactly. not it, like December trades are more the kind of Fair. minor in the margins, like yeah. the Rondo trade, things like that. That, yeah, that will be going down usually, in December. Yes, very usually the reason one in the Clarkson ones though. The reason one happened a couple days into trade season unofficially mm -hmm. opening. That was a December seventeenth trade. That one though was very much a um, expected because Ariza had kind of been. He wanted out of Washington very much. So that's where that one kind of came out of. And then the Clarkson one happened on December 23rd. So again, a semi-early trade, but nothing, you know, really incredible, you know, out of those trades. So I don't expect anything major, probably for at a minimum another month, if not a month and a half until we're at the beginning of February. All right, so let's let's get into. There was some news that came. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. Uh, Mark Stein had a lot out about the Jazz being. You know, we've talked a lot about the Raptors and them being the Grinches of the the NBA trade market over the last few years. We've talked a lot about the Chicago Bulls. Of course, the spotlight has primarily been on them and Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, Alex Caruso, and more that could be moved on their roster. Now the Utah Jazz popping up as a potential seller here on the market. What do you think about their guys? I've already got people asking questions about Lowry Markin in here in the chat. Yeah, I, it's interesting. I've seen some of the reaction to that piece. And then uh, Jake Fisher uh, also followed up with a uh, thing about um, the jazz as well. And about the marketing mm -hmm. news that the jazz, you know, could, could listen. I think um, what's interesting is some of the reaction is, well, why would Danny Ainge ever do that? That's his all-star. He's not going to make a trade like that. That is a complete misread of what Danny Ainge does. Danny mm -hmm. Ainge, if he doesn't believe that player will be a part of what can be a championship contender, he's going to move that player if he finds the right deal. There are no sacred cows in his world. There's no one he's going to absolutely have to you know, stay attached to. I know he, he traded he gets, Isaiah Thomas. 
he did. And he gets right? this I mean, rep of they were always close and they considered doing a trade for Paul George and Jimmy Butler and insert right. superstar X here. But it's that's not that was that's probably kind of you know some truth there of like how close were you really? But he will trade anybody if he doesn't believe that those guys should be a part of things. So yeah, one of the other pieces that dropped in that whole whole uh, thing is from Mark Stein. They're already open to moving on from John Collins. That shows we took him in, <laughs> right? I know we're right back on that uh, world. The whole history of our show has been John Collins is on the trade market. Um, but yeah, the, 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 the John Collins trade podcast. We're just right? going to rename it at this point. <laughs> yeah, it might as well be. Um, and every day we'll just come up with a new John Collins trade rumor. So yeah, so we're in a spot where marketing John Collins, uh, basically anybody who's not on a rookie deal, they are talking about uh, uh, about moving. We did talk briefly, just because I'm seeing it in the chat. We did talk about Darius Garland uh, yeah. already. That was one of the first things we talked about because it came out uh, right, right in the beginning. I don't know where top. seven yeah. weeks is coming from. I haven't seen that. I've just seen several weeks. Maybe he meant. Maybe he just misread maybe he several, several yeah. and, and could be a text to type thing too, or sure. something. I don't know. Could be. Who knows? Could but be. yeah, so talks about Darius Garland. We'll see. Cavs super light on point guard depth because Ricky mm -hmm. Rubio is not back and hasn't been back. That could move the Cavs into much like the Rondo trade was an early trade. Maybe they they make a move for a point guard from somebody just to kind of fill out the the rotation a little bit there. Craig Porter Jr. has played really well for them, but he's a two-way yes. player. So we'll kind of see what that looks like with him the rest of the way. You know, I mean, you mentioned the Rondo trade. It's maybe a little bit ironic, but the Cavs are kind of right back in that situation where they could yeah. really use a point guard. Is there anybody yeah. on the market that, that jumps out as a player that maybe you wouldn't have to break the bank to get, but at least could keep the Cavs afloat? Because they've been struggling, and I don't know how this looks I mean, I guess you just put the ball more in Donovan Mitchell's hands, I suppose. But is there a, a inexpensive move they could make out there to go land a, a serviceable point guard? Yeah, I wonder if they could go after someone like a Jordan McLaughlin from mm -hmm. Minnesota. Um, you know, not not a very big contract. I think you're probably going to hear some level of connection to maybe a guy like TJ McConnell. Yeah, I'm um, as well. But Indiana is probably going to be hard pressed to move on from McConnell. Uh, it's not exactly a great fit, but maybe Patty Mills, a guy like Alec Burks from the Pistons. Maybe uh, he's not healthy right now, but maybe Monte Morris uh, could, could be a guy you could mm -hmm. see. Maybe, maybe they try to see if Washington will move early on a guy like Tyus Jones yeah. or DeLon Wright. Um, DeLon Wright also not healthy at the moment. So we'd have to see what it looks like with him coming back. Utah has some, some extra guards, but they've got some guys who are injured right now. So, yeah, I mean, there are definitely options out there for a get-by point guard for the next several weeks um, that they could definitely get, get in on, I would think. Um, just, you know, is that the direction they want to go? And, you know, some of those are going to cost way more than some others. Yeah. Yeah, Tyus Jones in particular, I think his market is going to be interesting to follow. The Wizards, I mean, obviously they've been struggling, but that's a, that's a guy who could – draw a decent amount of attention, particularly because the, the Grizzlies played so well when Tyus Jones was running the show there. What's well, funny. Trevor, can we bring up Bernie's comment? He says, Keith, love the hat. I want to explain it. Oh, uh, yeah. Let's see. I don't see the, I'm missing. Oh, there it is. What team is that? There it is. Got it. Okay. Go for it. <laughs> this is the Foundation Academy Lions. This is my daughter's school team. And why I want to explain it is, 
they had an undefeated uh, middle school soccer season this year. Uh, they went 10-0-1, one uh, tie, which was 0-0. Uh, my daughter is a goalkeeper. Uh, she only allowed two goals all season in 11 games, nine clean sheets, and one was a uh, was a uh, own goal in the uh, final game uh, yesterday. But they, they ended up winning 2-1. to one. Uh, So an unbelievable uh, season for them. She couldn't be more proud. And as an eighth grader, she is now joining her school's varsity team uh, for the remainder of the varsity season. So we are incredibly proud of uh, her and and everything with that. So I appreciate Bernie asking about the HAP. Yeah, Foundation Academy Alliance here in uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Central Florida. Living in victory, just celebrating, celebrating that win and and, and moving on up. So exciting stuff there. So uh, fired up. Yeah, man, I that win yesterday was like one of the coolest things and they were so happy and excited and all that stuff. So, what, yeah, was could, it like an intense it sounds like they've been in a lot of blowouts. Was that one competitive? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. It was it was actually a really good game. They they had more chances. But uh, it's funny, just as an aside, no one really cares about this except for you and I. But uh, a girl she plays um, club soccer with was on the other school's team. And oh. um, so she knew she uh, has a really good shot. She's a lefty and she can really hook the ball. And uh, Bella played her perfectly. Bella's our daughter. Uh, played her perfectly on um, two free kicks and saved them both. And then on a corner, uh, she she was able to get up and punch it up and over the goal uh, for a save. So super excited. Um, about that so yeah yeah it was a it, it, it was a very good competitive close game um hard fought between the two best teams in the league and, and they came out on top so super the, excited those ones are tricky when you're when you're bending a ball in towards the goal and yep. you've got bodies in front in the box those are those are very tough to deal with um, yeah all right definitely let's go a three theory said silly me trying to get one up on you guys about the news you already covered it this is why you guys are top tier think of Keep up the great content. Thanks, Three Theory. Appreciate yeah, it. Appreciate that. Appreciate it, man. Um, all right. So, what else? Do, what else do we look at here on the trade market? We've got there's there's the Utah Jazz, of course. I've seen some of the stuff going around about OG and Anobi, about Pascal Siakam, maybe the Kings being yep. interested there. Um, Keegan Murray. Should the Kings make a move like that? Move off of Keegan Murray in order to add a kind of win now piece? Yeah, I don't think I would try to. I'd try to everything I could to keep Keegan Murray out of a trade like that if I was the Kings. Um, but I am also very high on Keegan Murray. Full, full disclosure, up until about two weeks to go ahead of that draft, Keegan Murray was my top guy on the draft board. That's Ooh. that's obviously I he's not at the level of Bancaro or Holmgren. Um, but I like him a lot. And I thought, uh, yo, he he was somebody I was uh, super excited about coming in so i was you know, all kinds of fired up uh with that so yeah so um you know we'll, we'll kind of see you know where where that goes but yeah i hey but if you could make the deal with draft picks or other stuff yeah i'd be all about it i'd be all about jumping in on og and an or pascal siakam for the kings because i think they would definitely help them yeah i mean these are guys that could i mean these are guys that could help a lot of teams i'm really curious to see what the uh <clears throat> what the ultimate package would look like for a guy like og for you know the, the the raptors infamously asking for like three first round picks and all that if and if this is finally the year that the raptors decide to to make a deal i'm going to be real curious to see what they actually get from these guys that they waited for so long on yeah without a doubt yeah i mean and that was one of the things that was um i believe this was jake fisher had this was that teams feel like there is more pressure on the raptors to not 
risk just watching Siakam and or Ananobi walk. Gary Trent Jr. was also mentioned in that kind of category of all guys who could be, um, they, they could all be uh, guys who are potential free agents this summer. So it turned into, if you watch them walk away again, now you're down to, all right, what are we doing here? It's, um, you know, we're, we're into a spot where Kyle Lowry, that ended up being a sign and trade. But you lost Kyle Lowry, you lost Fred Van Vliet. You know, we got to make this stuff work out. Um, all right, let's get into some of our, our questions and comments. And I agree with you 100%. We need to have Luca come on sooner rather than, than later to yeah, talk a little bit about the Raptors side of things. Um, you guys should check out Raptors Nation's YouTube channel. They do a, a fantastic job. Um, let's see what we can find here in the chat. Um, I've got a lot of people asking about DeMar DeRozan. I, I, from what we've heard from the Bulls side, it's that the Bulls would like to move Zach Levine and have enough time before the trade deadline to see what everything looks like after moving Zach Levine with whatever pieces they get from him and then figure out what the next course of action is for Caruso, for DeRozan. Now, they're very re resistant to trading Caruso. That's the news that's been out there. That's also what I would be putting out there if I was the Bulls. Um, DeRozan, any of these other guys, these veterans that they've got, they want to see where everything falls after a Zach Levine trade and then make a decision from there. So by that timeline, that would suggest that within the next few weeks, they'd probably want to try to make a, a Zach Levine. We're talking early to mid January. They'd look to, they'd look to make, get something done with him and then see what their team looks like and then make a decision from there on everybody else. Yeah. My guess is they would like to do a Levine trade by the latest within a day or two of the January 15th restrictions lifting. So if you were here at the beginning of the show, we talked about how 80 of the free agents who signed mm -hmm. this summer uh, become trade became trade eligible today, the unofficial start of trade season in the NBA. There is an additional 28 players who will become trade eligible by January 15th. So those are guys who either signed extensions that then will, will uh, free up their restriction or they signed much, much later in the process. You know, some of these guys were uh, August and September signings. And then you also have, um, the handful of guys who re-signed with their team and got a big enough raise that it triggers uh, the, the trade restriction until January 15th. Two notable examples that we talk about all the time there, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, but also like mm -hmm. Herb Jones is in that boat. There's several players in, in that situation uh, of that 28. So my guess is that will be the spot where the Bulls will be targeting right around there because that gives them about three weeks worth of games, which that's about you know, 10, 12 games or so to then look at, or what do we look like now uh, with, with whatever we got back? Is this enough to feel good? If not for this season, but going into next summer um, and maybe re-signing DeMar DeRozan, or is this all falling apart and it's time to move DeRozan and Caruso and see if we can find a trade for Vucevic and really just start this thing. Uh, in a different direction. Now, at the same time, we've we've continued to hear there's no market for Zach Levine. Now, part mm -hmm. of it, he's hurt right now. Yeah. Like he's not. I don't. I don't know that he's going to play in December. Now, I don't. I don't know that he's going to play before the I'd end of the month. We'll yeah. I yeah. So. so, so that's going to hinder his trade market as well. So that means that the window, Keith, for for Zach Levine to get back out on the floor and, and to prove and everybody see, okay, he's healthy, he can play basketball, and the Bulls to make a trade. That window feels pretty small in terms of of actual, you know, actually pulling it off and still having time 
to evaluate the roster before the trade deadline. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, you're, there's two things with Zach Levine, right? Teams don't need to see Zach Levine play to feel good about Zach Levine as a player. Everybody knows mm-hmm. what he is as a player at this point. What you need to see is that he's back on the court and he looks good, or you need to quote unquote, get your hands on him, meaning your medical team can have a look at him to see, or whatever's going on with this foot thing, is this a problem now? Or <laughs> here comes Tatum checking in. <laughs> um, or is there a, uh, or is this a problem long term? Is this going to be something that, you know, he's going to play play a week and then he's going to be out for a week or whatever yeah. it is. So that's the things that are going to kind of hamper a little bit of that. And the Bulls are going to be reluctant to say, sure, you could do your own exams and all these things. That could also be why, though, maybe a team says. Hey, we need to make a little bit of an earlier trade than a trade right now, because if we wait, we may not be in a spot where we can, um, uh, we don't want to be in a spot where we new team gets him. And then the team says, ah, we don't like the way the foot looks. And then they did not veto, but they basically go back and cancel the trade because of, uh, you know, health reasons. So there's a lot of stuff in play here. So we'll see what that all looks like. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be certainly something to watch. That's the biggest name out there on the trade market right now. It's Zach Levine. And again, the Bulls window to move him based on their own timeline. Obviously, they have all, all the way until February 8th. But based on what their own goals are, could be pretty pretty small, especially when you're adding in that health factor. And, and again, he's got, I believe, it's foot swelling, which... I mean, yeah, inflammation who, in his right foot. Who's to say he doesn't, like, you know it's he's healthy for a week and then it comes back and that that's what teams have got to be careful with that's what teams have got to be careful with somebody said trade for jordan pool i don't know what what (laughs) his market looks like right now uh not any good not good (laughs) it's gonna be a uh you know that's gonna be a uh they, the Wizards, they're going to ride that thing out, see if they can get him back and get him into a place where he starts playing better, and then maybe they can make a move uh, with him down the line as like neutral value or something along those lines. Because right now, nobody's giving anything of value for Jordan Poole. No, no. Um, Once a favorite of this show. <laughs> that's right. Well, we called that was, gosh, that was a while ago, but we said Jordan Poole was going to be the contender for six man of the year when he was with the warriors and and all of that. But I think he's just bit off a bit more than he could chew here. Um, He may also be the worst off ball defender I've ever seen in my life. Uh, Zach Lowe's 10 things column uh, this week on ESPN uh, highlighted that or low lighted it or whatever we low lighted. It's it's certainly not highlights. It was a, it was a Jordan pool getting back cut repeatedly uh, from guys out of the corner. Um, yeah, that's, and that's something that I, and maybe Zach needs to run. Maybe Zach needs to run with that and give you credit low lights because not <laughs> only does it, it, it works both ways for his name and, and for, you know, the, the players themselves, I guess it's, it's overly negative for him, but sure. still you could highlight yeah. some highlight the low lights around yeah. the league. Yeah, you could, that's <laughs> a good segment. Could, could, uh, could do that. Yeah. That, uh, would be a thing. John Drake thoughts on Miles Bridges to the Lakers. I don't know what they're going to do with Miles Bridges. Um, where, where where are the Hornets even at with him at this point? Yeah, so I I wrote for Spot Track. It posted yesterday, but it's up today. I've retweeted it uh, today, and you can go find that there. Also, uh, drop a um, link to the column in uh, in the YouTube chat. Uh, it is. Um, I wrote basically. Here's some guys to keep an eye on 
with the start of trade season opening. And I put Miles Bridges in there. And the reason I put Miles Bridges in there was twofold. There was a spot where one, um, we know things didn't go real well contract talk wise between him and the Hornets this past summer. Uh, he wanted more years and money. The Hornets said no. And he almost immediately signed the qualifying offer. They didn't get very far down that road at all. We all know the reasons why, mm-hmm. um, because you know, he had the domestic violence situation hanging over him since then. There's been another one of those that have come up and, that one has gone a little quiet. There was all this. It's being investigated. It's being looked into. We don't know if anything more is going to come at that at this point. So if your team going to trade for Miles Bridges, one, you have to be able to take the PR hit because it's going to come. You're going to get hammered by a lot of people um, that follow your team with that. Then the second piece is you have to feel pretty good that if whatever you give up, you're going to get an equal value in return. Either he pushes you over the top this season to whatever your goals are, whether that be get into the playoffs, compete for the finals, win the finals. And then if he leaves, you're okay because you achieved your goal that way. Or you feel pretty good about, hey, we feel good. He's put this stuff behind him. He is working actively towards being a better person. And we feel good about re-signing him. That's a lot of questions to be answered. Mm-hmm. The main reason I put him in the list is, because it's very clear him and the Hornets are not really on the same page anymore. So we're going to see, you know, if something happens, I will say this about, about miles bridges, players like miles bridges, NBA teams, morals are about down here off camera, somewhere near the floor. When it comes to, can this guy help us win? It's, it's just the way it works in the league, the Lakers in particular. I don't know. Maybe, I mean, there's the clutch sports connection, so that's always a thing. But I I don't know. I feel like that's – I don't know that that's what the Lakers need. Uh, Quite honestly, I don't know that they need another uh, 3-4 type forward that can't play the five at all. I feel like they've got those guys, plenty of them, to to get by with right now. So I I don't think that's a move I would make if I was the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, Bridges, it's only been 12 games that he's played, but he's basically stepped, after sitting out last year, he's basically jumped right back into what he was doing to, uh, in terms of his production. 20 points per game, seven boards, three assists, 1.4 steals per game, shooting well from three, 38% from deep. If you round up, 50% from the field. He's he's doing what he what he does. Um, just, obviously, there's a lot of there's a lot more than just what he does on the court. For teams to consider if they're going to try to make that kind of a move. Um, John also asked about where the Lakers get a big from. That's something we've talked a lot about with Lakers Nation, the potentially needing a true big to put with Anthony Davis. So I thought maybe we would just talk about kind of the big market in, in general. What because the Lakers certainly aren't the only team that could use a center. What bigs do you think are out there that are available on the market? And does it really start with Nikola Vucevic? Yeah, I mean it does. The problem is for Vooch, you got to match a pretty That's good size number if you were the yep. Lakers for him. So I'm not sure they would go that direction, but just Correct. in general, I mean, I'm, I imagine the bulls would be okay with maybe trading him, but I think that, and I apologize there. This is why we don't do the show at this time. They're cutting our grass right now. Um, I can't even hear it. You're good. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so anyway, with Vooch that falls into that whole, Hey, we want to see what our team looks like kind of conversation mm-hmm. of there. I think, um, Bigs that'll definitely probably be available. 
right now, I know this question came out of a specific Lakers, uh, you know, direction. It'll make people probably shudder, but I would imagine Andre Drummond would be available. Uh I'm on the trade market. Kelly Olynyk is said to be very available. Kelly Olynyk's still a good, helpful player. I think that could help a lot of teams. Um, Guys like Mike Muscala, definitely out there. I think um, there could be a world where like Daniel Gafford uh, becomes available from from the Wizards. Uh, maybe, maybe if you wanted to go a little bit more expensive in the Hawks, look to pivot. Maybe Clint Ooh. Capella um, could could be could be out there, and you know somebody that teams could go get. The one thing I know teams always feel confident in, if they need to go get a big, they'll get one somewhere because there's yeah. always some guy who makes around the minimum or slightly more that will become available, and their teams always feel good about their opportunity to acquire a guy like that. What did, what do the Pelicans do? Now I'm not uh, this is not Lakers related here, but what are the Pelicans going to do with Jonas Valanciunas? That was a that was a big top, well, a medium-sized topic of discussion over the summer about him wanting an extension, yeah. played well in the FIBA World Cup. Where do they stand with him? Yeah, I mean they need him. They don't have another real center on the roster right now. The, the only other one is Cody Zeller, um, because their small ball option is Larry Nance and he's hurt. Yeah. They are very reluctant to put Zion in that spot because they they don't have any defense when they do that. Uh, Valanciunas is playing pretty well. He's kind he's kind of doing what he's always done, right? He's never been um, that kind of kind of guy. So uh, you know, as far as a you know, uh, you know superstar level, he just is good, solid, productive center. So my guess is they just keep him and and kind of stick with him and see where everything goes because they're they're a you know I, I'm not gonna say a great team, but they're a good team. Right now, mm-hmm. right they're they're uh, in the mix to be you know a team that's you know fighting for a top six spot and you know right around that playoff play in line. So I, I think they probably just keep him. Yeah, I, I would imagine that's probably what they do. But on an expiring contract, I'm curious to see where he ultimately winds up and if that if a deal comes along potentially, maybe not just for him, but as part of a bigger package, he's just a a decent sized salary at I believe 16 million or so off the top of my head uh, that could wind up. It being in the mix for uh, for something to go on. Um, Bernie said, I expected OKC to be good. The Orlando Magic have been a surprise. Glad to see a young team built from the draft. What's been your biggest surprise so far? Yeah, Orlando's up there for yeah. sure. Um, did, didn't really expect them to play quite at this level. Um, I, I thought they'd be, I had them as a team that I actually believe at the end I can double check. Uh, here, I think I picked them to make the top six. Um, in the end, I did not. I, that's that's actually off. I had them as a play in tournament team. Okay. So, I mean, I thought they'd be okay. I just did didn't know, you know, how far they would get. So, I you know, but they're really have come come uh, together well. They play really hard and they defend. And if you do those two things, you're going to be in just about every single game. Um, uh, you know, each year. So outside of them, Houston is a major surprise at yes. 12 and nine, you know, they are playing unbelievable uh, defensive basketball and they, af- they get after it so hard um, each night. And if you don't play hard, you don't play. Ime Yudoka pulls them right off the floor and you sit. And if you yep. haven't watched, check out Tari Eason. Cause he has been awesome lately, not just good, but awesome his last handful of games he has played unbelievable and that's a super crowded group of forwards there in houston and i do wonder if that's going to be a position where eventually they can deal deal from strength but they have been so good 
Keith, you know, you're you're talking about some some positive surprises, the Orlando Magic. You talk about the the Houston Rockets. Let me bring some negativity because there can't be a positive without a negative because there's only so many spots. In order for somebody to rise, somebody else has to fall. What about the Golden State Warriors and the Phoenix Suns currently sitting at 10th and 11th in the Western Conference? Now, that doesn't mean they're out of it, but to see the Warriors in particular right now uh, with a losing record, they're 10 and 14 on the season, eight and a half games back of first place. That's been, I think, a, I think a big surprise this season. And now they've got more Draymond stuff. By the way, we haven't talked about that. Indefinite suspension for Draymond Green, who knows what direction that's going to go. I think the Suns, you get it because they've had so many injuries and things they've been dealing with. The Warriors, their fall. Uh, the, the Both of these teams being right now essentially on the outside looking in, that's been a surprise this season. Throw the Memphis Grizzlies in there as well, but of course that's all injury and, and suspension related. But for the Warriors in particular to be sitting where they are, I definitely wouldn't have predicted that heading into the season. Yeah, and, and we'll use the, all the it's still early qualifiers yes, and everything. 100%. But in the case of the Suns, they're 10th in the West, and they're only three games out of second. So I, I'm not worried at all about the Suns. I think they'll get there. I think they'll be fine. Um, but this was this was the one thing we said. They may not be the juggernaut some people were talking about over the summertime because of the injuries. We knew these guys were a good bet to miss time. I think, what did I originally said it at 50 games? That yeah. they might, the three of them might all play together. And now I, I think I've lowered that down to like 30. At this point, just because we're already we're already under sixty, they if they all played every game from here on out to be fifty nine games or something like that that they could play. We no, know that's not going to happen. So, yeah. um, the Warriors though, hundred percent with them. Just Clay Thompson, I know he played well last night, but just hasn't been Clay Thompson this year. And then the Draymond stuff is that's got them all kind of out of sorts because. We'll talk about all the what he did and got himself suspended, but he is so important to them as setting a tone defensively, as a ball mover, a screener on offense, just kind of the way he drives that team. It's really tough, but the indefinite suspension now, who knows, you know, how long it's going to be. I was talking to people about it just to get a sense of like, we think in 10 games, or we think in right. 15 or 20. The only answer I get back consistently from most people was he's not going to be back until sometime after the new year and probably pretty well after that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a while for for him to get back, and I mean, I, technically with indefinite, it's just not defined. Like he could be back in two games if the NBA really wanted him to, but obviously that's not the direction this is going to go. Um, this is, I think, this is the right call for the NBA to to keep him out and figure out what's really going on. He had he's had some comments recently that are questionable, or you kind of wonder what's what's really happening, what's going through his head in these moments but they've got to get this fixed they've got to get this solved and um and so i think this is this is the right response for the nba now it's not good for the warriors who again right now are on the outside looking in and um yeah it's not like they're out of it it's still super early and this is a team obviously you can't count out they've got such a history of success but we do need to watch like if this slide continues for another say month it might be time to start worrying a bit in Golden State for where they're ultimately going to wind up. Now, again, all they really need to just, even if they have to be in the play-in, just get in the mix and they've got a, they've got a shot, they've got a history of success, you know. So there's that element to it. But still, they have slid farther than I think anybody would have would have predicted. Uh, at the bottom of the chat, Mark uh, Angel Melendez's question, we'll bring it up after we get off of this discussion because I do want to talk about uh, that. He asked a good question about a player I have been on record as not being a fan of. Um, So we'll we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, Um, Yeah, with the Warriors, with Draymond Green, mm -hmm. this is... Just, sorry, the dog's losing his mind at the people cutting the grass. Um, so my, my cat is at the door right now, too, going nuts, <laughs> wanting to come in. And I'm like, no, it, he comes in and knocks stuff over and everything. It's the worst. Oh, I love it. Um, so what's with Draymond? This is my guess is this is the NBA basically saying, go away and figure this out because we're down to last chances here. This Anything like this happens again, you're gone for a while. And my guess is mm-hmm. if it was this year, it would be see you later for the rest of the season. And then yeah. we'll talk in the summertime. And why they leave it indefinite is they don't want to say five games in again, goes away, comes back five games. And then a month later he hits somebody else. And now we're right back there. Right. So I think with the um, position of Draymond green, I want to believe Draymond green with the, him saying he wants to get help. And he knows he needs to get help. I want to believe that. Um, I think we're in a spot, though, where you got to prove it to me, right? I, I can't just buy in that you are, that's where you're at. Like, you have to prove that. And not only, that's obviously the way the Warriors feel, the NBA feels, the NBPA feels, Clutch feels. Everybody involved, including hopefully Draymond himself, knows 
is it's time to go go get yourself some help. And I thought Stephen Curry's comments after last night's game were really kind of pointed where he said, it's not that I need to know, you know, about what he did. I just need to know the how and the why. Like, how did we get here and why are you doing this? Yeah. And basically then he went on to say like, that's like his brother, right? And he's been with him for so long and how important he is to uh, not just the way the team plays, but just in the locker room and how much he means to him. And basically you could tell it was painful for him that he was like, I need, he needs to get help. Like we need him to get help and, and to be a better person. So hopefully, you know, Draymond goes away, takes however long he needs and comes back, but it is, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, man. It's uh, one of those things where, you know, it, We'll believe it when, but for me, I'll believe it when I see it. You know, I thought Woj brought up a good point on, um, I don't remember what show. It was, it was ESPN programming of some kind. I don't recall exactly what show it was, but he brought up that, you know, the people that would be in the decision-making process in terms of what an indefinite suspension looks like, it's all in terms of the NBPA, in terms of Joe Dumars in the league office, it's all people who, like, Draymond has known for, for large parts of his life. And so these, this isn't a group of people that would be anti-Draymond or trying to stick it to Draymond in any way. Like there's yeah. general concern and a general push to try to, or genuine push to try to really come to a solution here and figure out what is really going on. They talked about Andre Iguodala with the NBPA. He talked about Joe Dumars. He talked about all these guys that have been involved that have either played with him or have known him since he was young and all this. And these are all the people that were in the decision-making process to make this a, a, an indefinite suspension. So... Um, this is not being done to in any way try to harm the Warriors. And this is about figuring out what's going on with Draymond and then go from there. A hundred percent. And and here's my thing. And a lot of people in the chat are saying he'll never change. And I just, I, I can't live my life that way in all facets that people can't get better. Cause if you, if, if that's the approach you take, I worry, I just worry where we'd be as a world. If people can't improve, you know, the type of people they are. That said, he, he deserves this. Like he, he did these things to land himself in this spot. He mm -hmm. is in no way the victim. He is in no way owed any kind of uh, you know, leeway here, any benefit of the doubt, go away, really try to figure it out. And let's see, see, you know, when you come back, you have to prove it. And it is going to have to be prove it for years, whatever years yeah. you have left around the NBA. It's because otherwise it's always going to kind of be in the back of our mind. I hope four, five years, six years from now, whatever our conversation is coming back and saying, you know what? He really did. He came back a better person and this kind of nonsense never happened again. And the other thing is too, he has to also know when he gets back, guys are going to be trying to provoke this stuff from him. They're going to be doing things to try to get him to act out and do the stuff because that's how this always works. I mean, Rashid Wallace owned it for years of I'd, I'd, I'd be getting heated and I'd have guys leaning over to me saying, yeah, man, let them know. You, you, I followed you. Tell the ref. Like, you need to let them know. And he's like, and too often they baited me into it. He's like, I'd let opponents get under my skin. Yeah. And that's going to happen here. So my whole thing with Draymond Green is I have to. It's just a life thing for me is I have to believe he can be better because I don't, I can't. I can't wake up every day believing bad people are bad people and can never improve. I just have to believe that because otherwise I, it, the world gets to be too scary of a place, you know, of, you know, people can't improve. So I hope he improves and I hope that's where he gets, but no, I, I don't, I don't 
I don't necessarily expect it. And I don't also by any means think he's owed any benefit of the doubt. He did yeah. these things, take your punishment, act on it. And it better not be he's and back yeah. in you know, a week and a half. Because that's clearly you're not going to learn anything in that short of amount of time. No, obviously five games didn't do anything. All the all the previous situations didn't do anything. So this has obviously got to be uh, a big step up. Um, <laughs> all right, Jeremy said, "Happy front office Friday. Happy front office Friday, indeed." If the Jazz trade Lowry, what team would make the most sense? Two off the top of my head are the Thunder and the Pacers. Yeah, I mean the, yeah, two the good Thunder, ones. any whoever the Thunder want. They've got, know, we've talked about the quality of the picks, but they've got the picks to go get themselves in the conversation. So if the Thunder decides it's, it's Lowry. Danny man. Ainge, Sam Presti, it'd be like, that's like draft pick explosion happening. Right. Like, I mean, that might just, we, we might all wake up in the, you know, a, a different uh, multiverse if those two come together on a trade where, you know, there might be 55 draft picks involved. Oh my gosh. Could you imagine <laughs> trying to sort through that and all the protections right? and everything like that? I mean, like, that, I that trade picks. phone call would, <laughs> would, would set a record. <laughs> better think. start it tomorrow or right. it might not end in time for the trade deadline. Yeah. And the Pacers, great one too. Uh, the thing with marketing, he's on, even though he's an all-star last year, he's on a very, very tradable contract. He doesn't make that much money. It's like 15 million or so. Uh, for this season. So that's mm -hmm. very easy. And the Pacers, they still have 9 million in cap space. Well, a little less because uh, one of the things we haven't talked about, they're re-signing James Johnson, which mm -hmm. I think was the Pacers. Uh, we can't get punked and thrown around like we did against the Bucks. We need somebody uh -huh. who things get a little sideways with physicality. We need to get him back on the floor. Who's a legitimate like martial artist. Yeah, exactly. James Johnson. Yeah. That's, James that, Johnson that's what you're getting one at. of the few guys. Most guys in the league are like, yeah, you don't actually want to mess with them like yeah. there's a lot of a lot of tough guys in the league and for those only listening i put that in quotes james johnson is not one of them like he, he's somebody that's pretty well known you stay away from him uh or to try to stay on his good side at least so i go. think um yeah those would be two great fits for laurie marketing you know really really good fits yeah you know especially like him as if he is available him going to a team that's already kind of up and coming uh and, and i think the both the Thunder and the Pacers make a lot of sense because this would be not just a quick fix. Hey, let's grab a veteran player who can maybe give us a boost for a couple of years. You're adding a guy who maybe could be part of your team for the next five years, seven years, you know, whatever it is. Five years in today's NBA is an absolute lifetime, but uh, but could be part of your team for the foreseeable future. So I like those destinations for him. Um, and, and those are teams who, you know, maybe they have some incentive at this point. Both teams kind of in similar situations in, in their respective conferences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. Those I I don't know that I could have came up with two better fits for Laurie Markkinen. Uh, Bonhito asks, does the NBA have a ref problem? Yeah, especially right now. Too too many ejections of good yeah. players. That said, you can't say whatever you want to a ref. Like, no. I, I, and you just you just can't. Like, it's just and that's a known thing, and the players know that too. They know what the magic words are that are going to get you tossed. Yeah. That said. The refs are, they're going to that far too quickly. Like you gotta, you know, with this stuff and the hanging on the rim tech technicals, just those drive me crazy. Who cares? Like, this is not the 1980s and nineties where, you know, guys were breaking backboards and Shaq was tearing down the entire, you know, basket structure. <laughs> the whole system. Yeah. Like that doesn't happen anymore. Like it's, you know, fine. If you want to make it a rule, guy guy hangs on a rim and breaks a backboard, it's an automatic ejection, fine. Then go ahead. 
go nuts because it's just not going to happen. But yeah, it's uh, you know, no, oh my we, gosh, we that, so. oh my gosh, Keith, oh. we just got a woge bomb here. Cleveland Cavaliers center Evan Mobley will oh, undergo yeah. arthroscopic surgery on his left knee and is expected to miss six to eight weeks. Yeah, so this is unbelievable. Cancer. Yeah, that's oh, all right. So let's take a look. Cavs are 13 and 12 and ninth in the east right now. Now, none of the teams behind them are teams you're like, oh, yeah, they're gonna catch them, but whew, that makes it tough to start to see if the Cavs even gonna get into the top six, right? They're only a game out of it right now, but how long is Mobley out for? Six to eight weeks? Six to eight weeks. And Garland's going to miss several weeks, so that's oh, that's brutal. Just brutal. Man. I mean, those are those are two of your top, top guys that you're building around for the future. Now, what do the, what do the Cavs do? Do you just try to tread water long enough to maybe make the play-in and then be a factor come the postseason? Or do they, I mean, like what happens with Donovan Mitchell now, who's got a player yeah. option? He has next year, could be his last year under contract. Then he has a player option after that. Does this push them to maybe move in another direction for this season and kind of regroup over the summer? Or is that, or do you think they just kind of hang in there, tread water as long as possible, and then see what they can do when they get their guys back? Yeah. I mean, obviously for now, you just play it out, right? You, yeah. you see, you know, all right, what can we do, right? Can we, we've got, Still get Jared Allen. We still get Donovan Mitchell. We've got Karis LeVert. We've got good role players. Can one or two of them step up and take on a bigger role? Is that where it is? I would expect at the very least they have an open roster spot. So I would expect to see somebody signed and brought mm -hmm. up. Um, I, I'm not by any means suggesting he's ready to go in the NBA, but Imani Bates has been playing really well in yeah. the G League. He's one of their two two way players. So maybe you kind of get him. Yo, so some more minutes. See if he, yo, see, is there something that can translate uh, through to to the NBA level um, with with what he's doing? So I would wouldn't mind, you know, giving that a shot. And then, yeah, maybe you start looking. You know, is there a trade? You know, is it mm -hmm. is there a trade that makes sense to to be better this year? Right? Um, not not necessarily a trade of I get to go trade Donovan Mitchell away. Here's right. the other challenge for the Cavs, though. They're only seven hundred and fifty k under the luxury tax. So you're in a spot where yeah. adding like much salary that gets just really messy. So this just sucks. Like there's no other way to put it. Like this just sucks, man. That it's, it's for us, especially Evan Mobley yeah. is, is one of the bright young players in this league. Same thing with Darius Garland, both of them now yeah. out. That brutal. I mean, Keith, this is front office Friday. We're supposed to be celebrating know, the coming right? of the weekend, and we yeah. start the show with this, and now we get this part of the way through too with, with yeah. the Darius Garland news and then the Evan Mobley news. Absolutely yeah, what, what, brutal. Yeah, what is this? What, 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 what show are we doing here? This is not what we do on this show. No. Uh, let me pull. I'm going to pull it up. All right, let's be. We'll be positive. Positive calves here for a minute. Uh, mm -hmm. Monty Bates in the G League in nine games. 24.3 points per game. He's shooting 46% from the field, 42% from three on 10 three-point attempts per game. Uh, 4.9 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.9 steals, and 1.1 blocks. So that's even up a little bit from the last time I checked on him. I'll see him here next week, maybe, if he's uh, with the, the uh, Cleveland charge of the G League um, for the G League showcase here in Orlando next week. But I'm thinking he might not be here. He might be up with the big team and actually playing. So that's the high-level production, especially the shooting percentages. That, that stuff that you get you fired up if you're a Cavs fan, 
that, hey, maybe this guy's ready to go and can help a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's uh, that can be the silver lining here to a bad situation. Uh, for uh, Cleveland. Somebody asked, um, who claims Bates? Nobody. He's signed. He's signed to the Cavs on a two-way contract, so the Cavs yep. have him. That, and that's great, Pape. You're wrong. The G League stats don't mean nothing. There are certain ones that do mean mean a lot. There are uh, um, shooting percentages are meaningful. Rebounding sure. is a stat that tends to translate no matter what league they're in. So so we'll say we'll we'll see you know, where it goes. Uh, this one, who's the most likely to make a trade by the trade deadline? Portland, um, the Knicks, OKC, or Miami? I'd say probably Portland, just because yeah. they're. You know, they're, they're still in rebuilding mode. Um, you know, so yeah, I would say they could, you know, do something. Uh OKC is always a good bet because they just always do stuff. So yeah. the Knicks, it feels like the Knicks have got to do something with that guard wing rotation. There's just too many guys in not enough minutes. And we've already heard Quentin Grimes and Josh Hart gripe about their role a little bit. Emmanuel quickly did not seem very happy um to uh to to be coming off the the bench and playing so little his last time out that didn't seem like a thing and then miami i don't i don't know what the heat are going to do there it's not that they're fully out of uh tra tradable assets but he's you know we'll, we'll see you know where yeah. they're going to go this year um I, I do think portland is an interesting jeremy grant maybe somebody to keep an eye on obviously a big contract oh, i said be i was convinced. gonna put that in the thing i wrote about him too i added him in the uh oh, did you in the trade piece yeah so let me do that in the YouTube uh, channel right now. So okay. Uh, MS highlights who, by the way, was on, we did a, a, on the Lakers nation YouTube channel. We did a members only live show last night and, uh, and he was on and we let people come on the stage with us for those. And, uh, and he was on, it, it's five 30 in the morning where, where he lives when we did the show last night and he was up hanging out to watch the show. It was a good time. Uh, but he said, keep up the good work. Love your show. Front office Friday. Thank you, man. Thank you for coming. Yeah, we appreciate that. I assume whatever currency BAM is, that translates like a million dollars to every one US dollar. So we're rich yeah. now. We're, we're there we go. There so, we yeah, go. Perfect. All right. So that's a good way to end the that's, that's Friday. A real um, front office Friday. One, one quick thing. Uh, what did somebody say? Uh, is Scoot on bust watch? No, I don't think so. Point guards take a while. Point guards and centers, the extremes, they, they, take, they take a while. It's... um. That those guys could take a while to figure it out and learn how to play. Scoot was really good last night against Utah. He's finally starting to put together consistent, um, good games in a row. So very, you know, I'm still super high on Scoot Anderson. I think he's going to be a good player. Keith, last thing that I want to finish with here, you and I were talking the other day and you said, on our last show, you forgot you wanted to talk about Bismack Biombo and what it yes. meant for the John Morant return. So I want oh, to make sure we, we address that. I forgot to answer the question I told you I wanted to answer about Cam Reddish. Oh, Don't yeah, yeah, yeah. Find it. It's fine. Okay. Um, but Cam Reddish, I have been out on Cam Reddish, as out as anybody could be, in part because I was super high on Cam Reddish coming in. I thought he was going to be really, really good. I thought Cam Reddish would have a Corey Brewer-like career in terms of like length. It mm -hmm. roll, but he'd be even better because I thought he'd be a better shooter and scorer than Corey Brewer. I was out on Cam Reddish for the Hawks, the Knicks, the Trailblazers. I said over the summertime, fine, the Lakers gave him a minimum. I don't really care. I don't think it's going to mean anything. He's been very good. I am. I, I can admit, you know, I, I don't hold to a guy stinks. Trevor knows better than anybody else. I want everybody to be really good. Yeah. That's when the league is at their best. I, I love so, to be wrong when I'm down on yeah, a player. Yeah, exactly. Tell me when I'm wrong if I don't think a guy's good. 
Cam is, he's playing well. He's really playing good defense um, right now. And that's, I think what he's bought into and maybe just took him landing with LeBron and the right team and the right guys play defense and run the floor like Corey Brewer. Just yep. go. That's all you need to do, man. We'll find you. If you run the floor, we'll find you. If you play defense, we'll take care of you. And he's really done that. So I'm, I'm, you know, very happy with where Cam Reddish is at right now. And, you know, I think there are a handful of guys around the league. We won't get into them today that I would look at it and say, start looking at Cam Reddish and you can really kind of, this is what he, like what you can do. If you find yeah. your right role and you buy in and go, you can be this too, instead of finding yourself out of the league or playing, you know, in the G league and over in Europe or something like that. So I think it's a spot where, man, just get, get, you know, just find your role, right. And get after it. So I think, um, you know, he's, he's, he's going to be tough, man. He's finally figured it out. Bismack Biombo. So why I wanted to talk about this, it's just an interesting thing and a thing to keep an eye on here uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis loves Bismack Biombo. They gave him a bigger than a minimum contract, but they signed him with the extra roster spot they got when they put John Morant on the suspended list. That came with an extra roster spot. Jaws got, I believe it's three games left that he's out. He also talked to the media today. I haven't seen it yet, so that's something we'll talk about next week probably, mm -hmm. uh, his comments. But when John Morant comes back, they lose that extra roster spot. It goes away. So the Grizzlies are going to have to do something We've heard they've been exploring the trade market for some of their guys. What could it look like? Could they do a, a an unbalanced trade? Jake Fisher reported if they can't find a trade, they're probably going to wave Kenneth Lofton Jr. so that they can keep Bismack Biombo. Hmm. But it's just something worth keeping an eye on because it doesn't automatically have to be Biombo that goes. That's why they could wave Lofton. They're just sitting at 16 players on standard contracts right now. And that's just kind of – a unique thing with the suspended list, but as soon as jaw comes off and they're ready to um, uh, activate him, they have to make a move. They, there's no waiting period. There's no adjustment period. As soon as his suspension is over, they have to make a roster move. So that's coming here in the next week. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be something we'll keep an eye on uh, for Memphis. Do they make a trade? And this, maybe that becomes our minor December trade that sometimes goes down. Me. Yeah. Wouldn't spread. Yeah. If it's something like yeah. that. Absolutely. All right. Well, Keith, it's been an eventful Friday. That's for sure. Yeah, a lot we, happened we, today. We had a lot going on during the show, but this was like I, one of our off-season shows. That's where, right. Like, it was just bing, bing, bing. I so. should have used our breaking news drop apparently, but it just felt so bad. The new it wasn't exciting. It wasn't fun news. So, uh, but I do appreciate everybody for joining us uh, on Front Office Friday. If you wouldn't mind, go over over on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star rating and review. Make sure you subscribe to the show there as well, and of course, subscribe here to the YouTube channel. Till next time, everybody. See ya, and stay safe. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.